Welcome back, lovely listeners, to the Crux of Investing in Finance podcast, a subsidiary of Investonomics Education. My name is Jay, and it's time for another fantastic learning opportunity. Before we're going to start today's show, it's worth mentioning that our Sunday podcasts are primarily video-based. If you'd like to get the full experience, please check out our Investonomics YouTube channel and follow along visually there. Make sure to be the first to access our content by following us on Instagram and Facebook at Investonomics Education. And if you'd like to read these episodes and their supplemental materials, check out the show notes for a link to our shared drive. We also want to emphasize that everything we mention in both our podcasts and YouTube videos are not financial advice. Always use your best judgment and make your own decisions when it comes to selecting investment opportunities. What we do on this show is we simply guide you along the path of personal financial education. Always do your own research when you're investing. Without further ado, thank you very much for tuning in. Now let's get to the show. If you've maxed out your TFSA and RRSP, there is good news for you. Canada recently announced a new FHSA account, which stands for First Home Savings Account, that allows you to build savings within the account tax-free, which can be used towards the purchase of your first home. Today, we'll unpack everything you need to know, when it makes sense to contribute, and for who this account will be most effective. So let's dive right in. First things first, what is this account for and who is eligible? The FHSA was introduced by the Canadian government just last month and became available on April 1st, 2023. The FHSA allows Canadians who have not owned a home in the preceding four years to save in the account much like in a TFSA or RRSP account and allows them to withdraw those savings for a first home within specific limits, which we're going to cover a little bit later on. The idea of the FHSA is to aid Canadians suffering from the unaffordability of housing and was coupled with legislation governing foreign individuals and entities from purchasing residential real estate in Canada. The account is structured as a tax shelter that allows for tax-free investment growth of contributions for young home buyers. The end goal is to create a situation for young Canadians that brings a down payment on a home within reach. In terms of eligibility, you will need to be 18 or older or whatever the age of majority is in your province or territory, and there are two eligibilities regarding the account. One is in regards to opening the account, and a different eligibility applies for when you want to withdraw from the account. For this first eligibility requirement, which is in order to open an account, you can't have jointly or solely owned a primary residence, and your spouse or common law partner can't have owned one either in the current year or the four years before you open this account. Now, if you're listening to this carefully, this is a really nice loophole. If you owned a qualifying home more than five years ago and have rented ever since, lived in someone else's house, moved back home with your parents, or haven't been in the country, you can open one of these accounts and utilize the tax advantages for your next home purchase. 
The second eligibility requirement is in regard to withdrawing from the FHSA when you are ready to buy a home. And the same requirements apply as for opening an account, except for the fact that you are allowed to have purchased your first property up to 30 days before withdrawing from the FHSA. Any longer than 30 days prior to opening the account and you have bought it, you will not be eligible to withdraw from the account tax-free for the purchase of the corresponding home in which you have bought. So now let's take a look at opening an account. To open an FHSA account, you can do so through an issuer such as a bank, credit union, brokerage account, or insurance company. It's much the same as opening an RSP or TFSA for those of you that have done so already. And it's worth noting that many brokerages in Canada will be slow to catch up and offer an FHSA account option with the exception of Quest Trade, which currently does offer one already. There are four main kinds you should be aware of in terms of the FHSA accounts. They're all pretty similar and vary just in what they can hold and how they are issued. The first is called a depository FHSA and is typically held with a bank or credit union and allows for simple deposits and depository type investments like GICs, term deposits, and cash. For those of you that don't know, a GIC is a guaranteed investment certificate, very similar to that in the United States of a CD or certificate of deposit. The second is a trust FHSA, which is held by a trust company that allows for all kinds of investments within the account. The third option is an insured FHSA, which can only be held in terms of annuities. So you can only hold annuities in this insured FHSA, which if you don't know what an annuity is, is a set of payments each month for a principal amount added to it at the start. And these are typically held by an insurance company or various annuity providers. The final one and the fourth one, which is probably going to be the most popular, is a self-directed FHSA, which you can open with any broker that you currently have investments with and choose investments yourself and be self-directed as its name suggests in your choices. As with an RRSP and TFSA, which are registered accounts, you can designate a beneficiary to your FHSA in the event you die, in which case the proceeds will be paid to the chosen beneficiary. For example, if you have a certain amount in your FHSA and you name your brother as the beneficiary, if you were to pass away, the proceeds from the account will then go tax-free to your brother's account or to their RRSP or FHSA if they have one themselves. If you're wondering how long you should keep your FHSA open, you should close it the year you purchase your first home using a withdrawal from the account, after 15 years of having the account, or at the end of the year at which you turn 71 years old. For those of you that are unfamiliar with how the Canadian system works, at 71, your RRSP is also turned into an RRIF, or Registered Retirement Income Fund, and for this same reason, you have to convert your FHSA to an RRIF as well. So both your RRSP and FHSA proceeds, if you have amounts in both accounts, will funnel into the RRIF and you will need to take regular payments from them. This is just a side note though. So if you want more information about this, I'd be happy to do another episode about that. So let me know in the comments. To avoid tax consequences as well, you should close the account before any of these maximums are met since it will be seen as a taxable disposition if you hold them past these limits. 
If an account remains in the FHSA after the maximum and it loses FHSA status, you're going to need to pay income taxes for that year on the fair market value of the amounts still in the account. Or you can transfer the, transfer the amounts in full to an RRSP or to an RRIF. Therefore, if you follow one of these ways of withdrawing from the FHSA, you will never pay any taxes on these withdrawals. There are also no minimum holding re period requirements for any contributions before you can make a withdrawal. You can withdraw any amount you contributed just the day before. Of course, these amounts won't have time to grow, so there's little reason to do this in the first place. Now let's take a look at some FHSA contributions and some limits that are in order for this. As with an RSP and TFSA, if you over-contribute to the FHSA account, you will have to repay the amount or wait for the contribution room to eat the over-contribution in the following year. But if you leave it until this happens, the over-contribution will be charged 1% monthly interest on that excess amount. The maximum lifetime contribution to the FHSA is $40,000, and the first year contribution, which in our case is 2023, if you open it this year, is $8,000. You can also carry forward up to $8,000 from the previous year to be used in the following year. So if you open an FHSA in 2023 and you don't contribute this year, in 2024, you can then contribute $16,000 to the account without any kind of penalty. But the limit for the carry forward is $8,000 or one year. So after one year, the contribution amount is lost and you'll have to allocate it in future years. But if you contribute the full amount each year, it will only take five years to reach that lifetime limit of $40,000 anyways. And so if you miss a year, it doesn't really matter. There's also no limit of time uh, for which a contribution needs to be in your FHSA before you can deduct it. But when you withdraw the amount, it will be subject to taxation and cannot be deducted from income taxes unless it's a qualifying withdrawal. And we'll touch a little bit on taxes later on. So now what you also might be thinking is that there is an RRSP homebuyers plan also in place. If you're unfamiliar with this, we'll cover it here. And you can actually couple this with your FHSA account, which is quite nice. So the RRSP homebuyers plan allows you to withdraw $35,000 tax-free from your RRSP on top of your FHSA $40,000 limit to have $75,000 total to put towards your first home down payment. The combination of these two plans can help make a dent in the down payment, but let's see how the numbers fully play out. And just a disclaimer here, this is accounting for no growth, so this is just net contributions. If you have growth on top of this, it's also tax-free, so you can have quite a bit more to add to your first home deposit. So does an FHSA make sense? Let's run some numbers. It appears to be a great incentive to save for a first home at first glance, and even when combined with the home buyer's plan from your RRSP, it does cover enough to actually purchase a home in this economy. Well, to find out, let's run the numbers. If you contribute the maximum to the FHSA account during the first five years and keep the account until it expires 15 years later, assuming 6% annually compounded growth, which is being a bit conservative, you'd end up with just over $85,000 to put towards your first home. 
When we add that $35,000 first time home buyer account from the RRSP, this provides a 20% down payment for a home of $600,000, which is just sl slightly below the national average price of $665,000. So although the FHSA helps to provide Canadians with an incentive to save for a first home, it doesn't quite do the trick when it comes to providing the full lump sum payment to make a down payment. This means in urban centers like Toronto or Vancouver, you'll need an additional chunk of money to pay for a down payment, where prices on average are much higher than $665,000. let us look at some tax implications and tax rules for the FHSA account. Although this is boring, it's very important to know what these are and how to use them most effectively. When any amount under the limit in the FHSA account is withdrawn, it is exempt from income taxes if one of two things happen. First, the withdrawal is used to purchase your first home before October 1st of the year following the withdrawal, and you must take residency one year maximum after purchasing it. It must also be built or bought property in writing, and you still need to fill out a specific government form for the withdrawal. So this is the first time in which the income taxes are not applicable. The second reason would be a designated withdrawal. It, this can be a withdrawal or a transfer to an RRSP or RRIF, and these may also be exempt from taxes if you use a prescribed form and it can't exceed the total contributions less any previous designated withdrawal amounts. Any non-home purchase will be fully taxable at your marginal tax rate. Okay, so that was a mouthful, what does that mean? So the designated withdrawal is essentially a transfer from another account and it has to be less than the total contribution for either that year or that's below the limit of the FHSA. And if you do this and use the withdrawal for a home, it's not taxable, but anything you buy, say if you use it to purchase a vehicle, this would be fully taxable if withdrawn from your account. FHSA contributions are not tax deductible if they are transferred over from an RRSP. This is because the RRSP has already been used as a tax deduction on your tax return and so double counting won't be possible here. An example is if someone turns 18 in September of 2023, they can't open an account until their birthday, at which point they can contribute up to the 2023 limit of $8,000, which can also be transferred from any RRSP in the year up to the contribution limit. The amount you transfer to a spouse if separation or divorce takes place is not taxable if the action is required by a court and in writing to the spouse's RRSP, RIIF, or their own FHSA account. It will not affect any contribution room for the spouse to which it's transferred. Finally, you can also deduct contributions from your taxes equal to the annual contributions or the total contributions if not deducted in previous years. I'd just like to preface that again, this is different from if you transfer it from an RRSP, in which case you cannot deduct it from your taxes. But if you're simply contributing it right to, to the account, you can deduct it from your taxes. The tax year is the typical January to December period, but for 2023, since it was only available since April, we have nine months in which we can deduct. 
the deduction reduces your taxable income and not your taxes dollar by dollar. So for example, if you earned $100,000 and contributed the full $8,000 in 2023, your taxable income would now be seen as $92,000 and therefore the taxes payable are based on this figure and not $100,000. On a final note, you should plan carefully when you want to buy a home and invest within your FHSA accordingly. If you have some time, like over 10 years, buy all equities and indexes if you can, but if you're close to needing to cash out when you consider, you should consider GICs and holding more cash or bonds within the account. Another option might be a target date fund. Although it's used often for retirement, it's still a great way to automatically reduce risk over time and you can choose a target date in terms of when you want to be able to buy a home. And I'll be creating some content focused on targeted funds very soon since they are a very useful tool in this situation. Hopefully this helped you understand Canada's new FHSA account and you, that you can start investing your money to utilize yet another tax-free advantage savings account. Thank you for sticking around until the very end of the podcast. As always, if you liked today's episode, please leave us a fair rating and share this content with one friend or family member. It helps the show grow and reach more like-minded people. If you have a moment, we'd love to hear some feedback from you. Leave any questions or comments on our YouTube video, or for you podcast listeners out there, send us an email at investonomicseducation at gmail.com. Until next time, guys, stay safe out there and have a wonderful day.